With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. TCL is a proud sponsor of the 1500 ESPN Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. Minnesota Vikings, the NFL, football, yeah, football. Welcome to Purple Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Purple Podcast. Matthew Collar here and uh, joining for the fifth time, maybe tells you a little bit about his content caliber that we keep bringing him back. Former NFL wide receiver Donald Jones. He is also the host of the Why So Serious podcast, which you can follow at Why So Serious P.O.D. on Twitter. Donald, how are you? I'm good, man. Has it been has it been five times? I think so. Yeah, I think we always uh, need to get need to get wide receiver perspective here. I think it's fine. Yeah, you know, I, I think I'm starting to become a staple in, in Minnesota. Yeah, that's right. You, you know, uh, I, I mean, I can spend time out there in the summertime, not the winter. <laughs> summer. Well, uh, you played in Buffalo. You had a stint in New England. You live in New Jersey. I think you'd be fine. I think you'd be all right here. Uh, you know, Jersey. Jersey, let's just say this. Jersey is the best state in the country. You know, a lot of people don't want to live with it. They don't want to admit it, but it's okay. Jersey is the best state in the country. And it doesn't snow as much here. Now, it's freezing cold today, but it doesn't snow like it does in Buffalo or New England or even Minnesota. I'm telling you, when I was playing in Buffalo, we went to Minnesota in, like, November. When we got off the plane, it was a whole nother like, level of cold. It was crazy, man. I was just Minnesota stuff is real. Yeah, everybody uh, who came to the Super Bowl last year realized that uh, 10 below is a little different than any other winter you felt anywhere else. Uh, that, okay. that, yeah, it really hits you when you walk outside, but you know, we, we survive, and they, and they got a dome, so we're all right. We're all right with a dome here. Yeah, I guess. I know that people in Buffalo are like, no, can't have a dome, got to have the snow advantage. It's like, how's that working out we for you? have it. I know, right? You can have it, man. I'd rather be in a dome and be nice and warm any day than have to sit outside in the cold. I'm not at this point in my life. Maybe it's because I played and I'm spoiled and I've been, you know, on the field as a player and then even basketball games and I have to sit courtside. But in football, once it gets to a certain part of the year, I'm not going to a game unless I'm sitting in the booth. It's just not going to happen. Yeah, I feel the same way about like baseball that it starts here in early April. In Minnesota, and it's like, well, as much as I would love to go, I think I'll wait until it clears maybe like 70 degrees before I attend right. my first Minnesota Twins game. So uh, anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. and 
I'll tell you also about football. Now, I only played football as a junior high tyke, and then I switched to a sport where people didn't hit me. Uh, <laughs> but I am still cold from practices in the late fall in junior high. It is the coldest I've ever been, and I live here, is standing outside when it's like whipping winds where you don't have any sleeves or anything like that because the coach wants everyone to be tough and not wear sleeves. It's like, okay, this is this is too much. Anyway. What? They said that? Yeah, I don't know. That, it was, that's amazing. That's I, like torture right there. I don't know. I'll if tell you, man. told my son he can't wear sleeves in practice, I'm going to tell him you shouldn't be coaching. I'm sorry. My son is wearing sleeves in practice. So the guy who coached our junior high football team made me really, like, never want to play ever again. And you can have that impact if you're a coach and you act this way. But he was like, it was like he had seen a movie on, like, football <laughs> or something, you know, like – and then he was like, okay, that, that's, that's how you coach. I'm going to be like that guy. So he called us yeah. names that I can't repeat. I mean, we're talking about like seventh and eighth graders called us names that we can't repeat on this podcast and like no water until you get this right or whatever. It was that sort of thing. It's like, I don't want any part of this. I'm going to go play baseball. If I had had a cooler coach, I might have kept playing. But, uh, anyway, that, um, let's, let's talk about people who, uh, toughed it out through those cold practices and abusive junior yeah. high coaches and, and not me. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> when it comes to these playoffs, Donald, I want to talk to you about them first, and then I want to get into some things with Kirk Cousins and the, and the Vikings offseason situation. But when you see the number one, two, three, and four scoring offenses go to the championship weekend, uh, what is your reaction to that? Oh, man, I, I think – the four teams that are in it are really the teams that we all expected to be in it from the beginning of the season. You know, I think even like the first week of the season, when you looked at the Rams, it was like they have a team that can make it all the way. The Patriots, they're the Patriots, so they're always going to be somewhere around there. The Saints, well, you guys in Minnesota obviously know that the Saints had that huge, crazy, whatever you want to call it, happened to them last year. So you had to expect them to be somewhere around it this year. And, um, did I call it? Oh, the Chiefs. The Chiefs, yeah, they were another team. With it, it was uncertain because now this was like Pat Mahomes' first year as a full-time starter. But I think early in the season, you can tell this team is a, is, is a team that can go all the way, and all of them can score points. They all have quarterbacks that can score points. But I think the teams that win this game are the teams that actually have a defense that can stop, you know, at least slow the other team down. And I'm not sure what team that's going to be. I think the Saints have a a decent defense that can slow the Rams down. Um, I'm not sure about their run defense per se. And I'm talking like consistently being able to stop the Rams because the Rams look really good. Um, but then when you look on the other side and you look at the Chiefs and the Patriots, obviously we know the Chiefs have a very good offense. They have a lot of playmakers. Their defense is suspect to me. And I think Tom Brady can exploit that. And we all know Bill Belichick can slow down any offense that he wants to slow down. So don't be shocked if you see the Patriots come out of that one. And, and, and don't be shocked if you see the Saints win, you know, out there or yeah, down in New Orleans as they're playing at home. It because would, they have a defense that can slow them down. It would be pretty funny if we were all talking about, oh, look at all these young quarterbacks and these exciting teams and everything else, and it's Brady and Breeze, the old guys uh, in in the Super Bowl. It would not surprise me at all. T tell me, tell me what you see when well, you see Tom Brady now, because there were times throughout the year where I was like, I, I think it is this the time? Is is he starting to fall off a little bit? And you had a, a full off season with the New England Patriots. You got to practice with Brady and be around him. 
Uh, what do you see that he's still doing to keep going? And how has that changed throughout the years? You know, I think it's wishful thinking. We all, if you're not a Patriots fan, we all have wishful thinking that Tom Brady is falling off. <laughs> yeah, and it that's happens true. every year. It almost seems like they drum up different situations just to get to get everybody talking. If you remember back in the offseason, everybody was talking about, well, Brady, Belichick, and Robert Kraft, they're at odds right now because of Brady's trainer and this and that. It's like they drum up these stories to get everybody to think that they're falling off. And, all, and then all of a sudden they come out and they, they, they win like 12 or 13 games every single year. And then when you get to this point of the year, this is when Tom Brady is at his best. We've seen it yesterday. But I think the biggest thing is, and, and yeah, Tom Brady is still playing like Tom Brady when he was young. But I think they're able to do that because they have so many different weapons. And they can do so many different things when you have those consistent weapons that have been on the team. You can add, you know, different pieces like a Sony Michelle and guys like that to really add to it. But, man, they can do so many different things. I would not want to be a defensive coordinator facing the Patriots because it's like, okay, let's shut down their run game. Let's put seven DBs on the field. Then all of a sudden they start to run it down your throat. All right, well, let's, let's, let's stay in our base package. Then all of a sudden you get James White out of the backfield mm-hmm. a million times in this game. It's like, what, what can I do to stop this? You, and they don't make mistakes. They don't really beat themselves. You just have to have playmakers on the defensive side of the ball to be able to stop the Patriots. Or – you got to out for them. And that's one thing that the Chiefs, we know, can do. They can put up a lot of points. And I think that's what they're going to have to do to beat them. So let me get your opinion on this. Uh, the Rams use 11 personnel all the time. They don't use anything else. They've got the three wide receivers, and they've got the tight end, and one running back, and it's 95% of the time. And then you watch the Patriots, and they've got all different personnel packages. And they, they bring in this yeah. big fullback who I think scored two touchdowns against the Vikings. He's just this big monster dude who's clearing the way for people. And I see the New Orleans Saints do the same thing, where Zach Line, the former Vikings fullback, clears the way on a big run for uh, uh, Mark Ingram that kind of sealed the game or helped the, the Saints there set up another field goal late in the game against the Eagles. Uh, do you think it's sort of either or any way can work depending on your personnel, or do you like something specifically about uh, what the Rams do or what these other teams do by mixing personnel and getting big bodies in there? I like teams that mix up personnel. You know, and for me, maybe I'm just not an old school guy where it's like, look, we're going to line up and bring my personnel and we're going to do this. We're going to line up and send 11 personnel and do that. Like for me, I want to mix it up all the time. I love what the Chiefs do. I love what the Patriots do. And I love what the Saints do. You know, they, they mix it up so much that you never really know what they're going to do. Um, I hate offenses that are predictable. You know, it's like you go this personnel, you know you're going to run it. You put this person in the game, you know you're going to pass it. Switch it up so nobody knows. Not even, not just the defensive coordinator, but the fans who think they're coordinators in themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, or even the commentators sometimes. <laughs> you know, switch it up so nobody knows what you're doing. I love to see that. I love to see the different motions and shifts and all of that stuff. And I love to see quarterbacks at the line of scrimmage switch things up, you know, call an audible or slide protection, you know, slide the line to the left, let the running back pick up whoever's coming from the right. Uh, and then you have receivers that are going on hot routes. All of that stuff, for me, is a chess match within the game. And you have the coordinators who are obviously, that's one chess match. Then you have the quarterback 
that have to be able to pick things up on the field. And everybody else that's on the field as well, I'd love to see all that stuff. I, it's boring for me to just line up and eye and just, just go smash my football running down your throat. If it's working, it's working, and you keep on doing what you got to do. But you're not going to be able to do that against every team. And so you got to be able to switch it up. Yeah, and I, I think that that's what uh, a lot of people are looking for. The Vikings hire new offensive coordinator and Kevin Stefanski, and that was one of the things that he talked about in his opening press conference was trying to be unpredictable, trying to uh, have a, a lot of different things that they can do well. And part of that, Donald, is I think having a number three weapon for a wide receiver for the Vikings. I think it's the thing that isn't talked about a lot, and we're trying to push it on this here podcast. Uh, I mean, because everyone wants to fix the offensive line, but Laquan Treadwell was one of the least efficient wide receivers per target in the NFL as the Vikings' number three option. So when you have three wide receiver options, especially on third downs, that's where I think the Vikings need to focus on it uh, the most. How does that benefit an offense from having that number three guy, uh, no matter what it is, if it's a possession guy like Anquan Bolden or a playmaker like Golden Tate, I see that as hugely valuable for the Vikings going forward. You know, for me, and I want to, just say this before even moving into the three wire sets. I'm going to see myself. Go five wide, baby. Let's do this. When we talk about mixing up, mixing everything up, I'm really talking about the personnel packages. You can run the same 10 to 15 plays throughout the course of the game. If you run them from a bunch of different personnel packages and a bunch of different motions and shifts and bunch formations and all that stuff, you never know what exactly they're doing, right? So for me now, getting into the three wide receiver situation, it's always good to be able to have three wide receivers that can do different things for you. If you have a couple of possession guys, you have a deep threat, you know, it's always good. You look at the Chiefs offense, they have playmakers really all across the board. But for me, I'm okay with having two wide receivers if you have a tight end that's a true threat, like a Rob Kelsey, you know, or like a Kelsey from – the Chiefs. When you have those types of guys that are true threats, then it allows you to do a lot of different things. When you have three wide receivers, well, the defense is going to put nickel or they're going to put dime on the field, and, and they might be able to shut you down. You know, now it's always good to have three dangerous wide receivers, but I don't, I don't necessarily know how many teams have these three dangerous wide receivers. When you look at the wide receivers that the Vikings have, and you look at Steelers, Steelers can obviously get down the field. He's not the true deep threat. We talked about that on the podcast. But he can't get down the field for you. But for me, he's more of a possession receiver. When you look at Stephon Diggs, he can really do everything for you. I think they need another speed guy. You need another guy that is really a threat down the field that can take the top off of the defense and open things up for both of those guys. And then you have your running game and your running back. And that will help out Kirk Cousins and take a lot of pressure off him. So for me, they need to have a true tight end, number one, that can get down the field and do different things, but then they, they really need to have a speed guy that can get down the field, that can do whatever he wants to do, maybe even a bigger type of receiver. You know, one of these guys that's 6'3", 6'4", that's a true weapon in the red zone, you can throw the ball up or something like that. You need to have three guys that can, you need to have guys that can do different things. And so, for me, I think that's what the Vikings need to do. So the Vikings were 26th in the NFL on third downs this year. And I think that some of it points to the quarterback just not being able to make a play. And third downs are often, uh, in my mind, especially third and longs, on the quarterback to find something 
uh, special that's there. You see it with all the quarterbacks who are in the final four here, but uh, Kirk Cousins isn't really changing his stripes. So you're going to have to add, I think, as many weapons around him as possible. And when he had his best year, Donald, they had five good receiving options, maybe six. Uh, Pierre Garçon, underrated guy, Deshaun Jackson, Jamison Crowder is a good player. They had the two tight ends who were good. I, I think that when you're talking about a quarterback who isn't perfect, and, and maybe you could put this in context because you played with Ryan Fitzpatrick, a very talented quarterback, no doubt, but not somebody who is just going to put everyone on his back and drag them, no matter if he's throwing to the 50th best or the first best wide receiver. I think with quarterbacks in that sort of ballpark, the more weapons you can get around them is going to make a much bigger difference than I think if it's Drew Brees. Man, we're talking about a guy that's making eighty plus million dollars guaranteed. He can't lift the team up. <laughs> no, but you're not. You're not wrong. You're not wrong about that. By the way, <laughs> I mean Kirk Cousins. He has his flaws to his game, and we talked about it before we got on here. You know, him being late, a late quite often. Maybe not necessarily seeing guys when he needs to be able to see them and get the ball to them on time. Um, but for me. Yeah, you need to have more threats on the outside. The contract will has not been that guy. You just haven't. And so you're relying on Stefan Diggs and Adam Thielen. And you guys saw it out there in Minnesota. When Thielen went down, it was hard mm-hmm. for him to make plays in that offense. You know, and he wasn't really the same for the rest of the year. And so you need to have another guy that can step in there and make plays for you. Whether that's a tight end that can get down the field or whether that's a receiver that can get down the field. For me, they need a big receiver. And I think that's why they drafted with Juan Treadwell, hoping that he'd be that guy. He hasn't been that guy. So for me, you need to have another big, physical, but fast guy that can get down the field, that can scare a defense, take the top off the defense, so that Thielen and Stefan Diggs can work the outside or even, you know, work the underneath, I mean to say, or even get open down the field. You need to be able to vertically put the field in three and that's somebody going down the middle of the field and two dangerous guys going on the outside because at that point who do you cover mm-hmm. and then obviously you have Cook coming out of the backfield and you can dump it off to him and let him do his thing and that's what you see in the teams that are still in it you look at the Patriots they have Rob we all know he is the security blanket if Brady wants to just get the ball to somebody he can go to Gronk and Gronk is going to make plays, whether it's down the field or underneath. But you also have the smaller, shifty guys like Edelman, like Hogan. You know, um, even they have Moncrief now that can get down the field. So they have playmakers, and then you have the running back coming out of the backfield on wheel routes and things like that. And he can get down the field, you know. So I think the Vikings' problem is, yeah, they just don't have enough playmakers, and they don't have enough bigger guys that can just make a play when you need them to make a play, throw a ball up, and just make a play for it. You know, you look at even the Eagles who lost, and, and and I hate to do this because he dropped the ball, obviously, and it became an interception. But when you look at uh, Alshon Jeffrey, he's a big physical guy. And Nick Foles would throw the ball up to him and let him box out, and he can make plays. Now, everybody else can make plays. They got weapons on that offense. But at the very end of the day, I need you to just make a play, and Alshon Jeffrey would do that for you. You know, and you look at the Saints, Michael Thomas. Drew Brees, throw the ball up to him. He can make a play for you. I think that's what they need in Minnesota. That's what they're missing right now. Okay. Until they get that, they're going to have problems. 
I, I agree. I agree. Finding that third guy, especially because of the double teams, is to me it should be right at the top of the list with offensive line. Um, now explain to me timing with a quarterback and a wide receiver because Kirk Cousins at the end of the year, and this caused me to kind of have a meltdown on the radio one day. Um, talked about how it was. It's only year one with his wide receivers, and then next year they'll have even better chemistry. Now, I think you had a full off season. You had 17 weeks. If you're in week 17 and you and the wide receiver are screaming at each other on the sideline, uh, probably something isn't right there beyond just uh, it's only year one. But can you explain to me just how that works, how you build chemistry with a quarterback and the benefits, if you can, be on the same page with timing? I mean, it, it, it can take time. Everybody likes to say, well, you all need to work in the off season. For me, working in the offseason is good, um, but you're running on air. You're not running routes against against a full live defense as a quarterback and as a wide receiver who's going, who's going against the quarterback. And so for me, that timing and all of that stuff happens throughout the course of games. Now, you don't want it to take four years, especially when your quarterback is getting 80-plus million guaranteed. But I'm so, I, I just – I think it's going to take them – a little bit of, let's, let's just say, probably another year to truly get their timing down, but they need to have another receiver in the mix to take the double team off of those guys because it's hard to really get timing down when both of those guys are being double teamed because Kirk Cousins, is he's really probably scared to throw the ball because he has two guys on guarding both of his top receivers mm-hmm. because they don't have another threat that can really make plays for them. And so I think once they can get a third weapon in there that can really catch the ball, it'll take pressure off of those two guys on the outside, and they can really work on the timing. But if you're a quarterback, I mean, just imagine being a quarterback, and when you drop back, you want to throw the ball on time, but you have uh, you have a player underneath and a player over top of your two-star wide receiver. Mm-hmm. It's like, man, I, I can't really throw on time because these dudes, are blanketing my receivers. Now right. I got to go look somewhere else. You know, so they need to have another playmaker to be able to make plays for them, so that it takes it takes pressure off of those two wide receivers. And then you can work on time because now you're going to get more one on one. It's either you go ahead and keep on double teaming those guys, and we have another guy that can get down the middle of the field, or you can't double team. You can't double team everybody. Somebody's going to be one on one, and now let's work. And we can work on timing, but I, I just think they need they need another off season. They need to get another playmaker into Minnesota outside to catch passes. Tell me what it's like working with a quarterback so closely for an entire year, two years, however long you're with him, and what that back and forth is like beyond just on the field, like trying to get yourselves on the same page, and what those conversations are like. Because I, I think it really stuck out to me. And uh, my wife's great aunt, who is 90, brought up the uh, meltdown between Cousins and Thielen in Week 17. She said, you know, yeah. did you see that? Like, yeah. I, I mean, everybody noticed it was right in front of national TV audience what happened there. And Troy Aikman is ripping a, you know, the whole thing apart and everything else like that. And I think it's fair to wonder what is going on there when that happens, because that's even something that's gone on between Adam Thielen and Kirk Cousins going back to... OTAs and there seemed to be some frustration bubbling there, especially with Thielen. So, uh, you know how how do you communicate properly uh, with a quarterback and, and not have something like that happen in front of everyone? 
you know, it, it really it's not necessarily easy to do because football players are like alpha males. Most of them are alpha males that have personalities and they're going to let it be heard. You know, if they if they feel a certain way, that's what they're going to say. It doesn't matter if on the sidelines or not. I'm a wide receiver, and I'm and, and I'm a star guy. I, like I'm not I'm not a rookie. Not a bum out there on the field. I'm a star wide receiver, and I'm telling you that this is what's happening out there, and you don't necessarily respond the way you should respond, or I think you should respond, and you respond in some other way. Then now we're gonna argue, and that's not to say that's what happened because obviously I don't know what they were arguing about. But I think that sometimes you know these quarterbacks, they they obviously have a mind of their own, and they're gonna do what they're gonna do. But as a receiver, you're like, yo, this is I'm telling you what I'm seeing out here. You can't guard me. At least give me an opportunity. Or if you keep throwing the ball behind me, how do you expect me to make plays? If you're late, how do you expect me to make plays? Don't tell me to get open if you're throwing the ball late. I was open when I came out of my break. So these are all just different you know, things that I'm giving you, um, different examples that I'm giving you on why they could actually get into arguments on the sideline. But when you're trying to work on timing with the quarterback, it does start in the offseason, and it starts watching film. And that's breaking down all of the different coverages. And hopefully it depends on, I mean, they're going to get a new offense. They got a new offensive coordinator out there. And so now, and this is, this is what's tough when you fire coaches, especially coordinators and head coaches, because now you're going to get a whole new system that everybody is learning. Mm-hmm. At the same time, the coach is trying to learn the players. The players are trying to learn the coach. The players are trying to learn everything, the system. What do we do against this coverage? How do you want me to run this route? That's why it's always good to keep the same coaches so you can keep the same system so that, okay, when we're watching film in the offseason, when we run this play and they line up in this coverage, this is what I want you to do. Release outside, the Pakistan, whatever the case may be. But it's going to be hard for them because they get, they're getting a whole new system now. And so now they're all going to be learning an entire new system, which means they can't just watch film and learn from what they did last year because their plays and everything that they're going to be running is going to be different. Okay, one more. Uh, just technical wide receiver quarterback question here. When a quarterback goes off schedule, is there a way that receivers can help him? Because we saw it with Case Keenum a lot. Same set of wide receivers had a lot of success running around and being that playmaker, you know, when he got pressured or whatever else it might be. Saw very, very little of that from Kirk Cousins. Is there any way that Thielen Diggs, whomever they bring in, Kyle Rudolph, Delvin Cook can make him better or help him out, or is that just quarterback to quarterback? You're either a playmaker like that or not. No, I think I mean receivers. Your job is to make the quarterback look great. That is your job as a receiver. I don't care if you're talking Brady, Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, Joe Montana. It doesn't matter. None of those guys throw perfect passes 100 percent of the time. They throw horrible passes, and receivers make great catches. And so, as a receiver. Sometimes you just got to make a great catch. And the quarterback should let you know about it. If he's a decent person and a decent teammate, he should, hey, man, thank you. That was a bad pass. That was on me, but great catch. You know, Bobby's a dinner or something like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, but um, I think that receivers can truly help out quarterbacks. And quarterbacks can help out receivers. You really want it to be the quarterbacks helping out the receivers, but when you have certain quarterbacks, they're not necessarily the guys that are able to do that yet in their career. 
And so you you have to have playmakers that can just catch passes and regardless of where the ball is. Who's winning the Super Bowl, Donald Jones? Ooh, um, <laughs> I'm going I'm to say that the Saints. All right, so who's going to win this week first? I think the Saints are going to win. I think. I think the Patriots are going to win just because Bill Belichick is a mastermind. He's going to figure out a way to stop that off, to slow down that offense. Um, and then they're going to put up points because the Chiefs' defense isn't that good. And I think you're going to see the two legend quarterbacks in the Super Bowl, which is what I think the NFL wants anyway, so that they can make that storyline. Mm-hmm. These two dudes that are, you know, 40 years old in the Super Bowl. Be, oh, this is the oldest. Super Bowl we've ever had, something like that. You know, I think that's what they're trying to set. This. That's what they're hoping, at least. And I think that the Saints. Well, all right, I'm just going to say what I hope. I hope the Saints beat the Patriots. I think uh, I'm going to go with Saints and Chiefs, but it's been my hot take since July that New Orleans would win the Super Bowl and Drew Brees will retire up there on the podium. He'll say, "This is it for me. I'm walking away." Congratulations to me. I'm retiring. Just like uh, Peyton Manning, just like John Elway, they walked away right after the Super Bowl. I think that's what's going to happen with Drew Brees. Yeah, I, I think um, that would be a great storyline, especially with him breaking records this year and, and having the year that he's had, like an MVP, MVP type of season. I think he might even end up being the MVP. I know everybody is thinking Pat Mahomes, man, but I think people are sleeping on what Drew Brees did this year. Mm-hmm. He had another great year. He might end up being the MVP. And especially if he gets the MVP this year and then he's able to win the Super Bowl, what else is there to do? He might as well go ahead and hang it up, ride out into the sunset, and uh, just go have fun, man. Enjoy life. We'll be a coach and be a GM or whatever the case is. And then hand the ball over to Teddy Bridgewater, and make him their franchise quarterback. That's how that's hey, how that's listen. how I'm seeing it playing out. Um, I it, can't I can't wait until Teddy Bridgewater gets his shot again. Obviously, people in Minnesota know, but I I think I think teams and and fans are sleeping on Teddy Bridgewater's talent. I think he's really coming on to be a good player in this league, and I can't wait for him to get his shot. Yeah, what I'd like to see is him get a shot with a team that has that many weapons to take over with and a good offensive line, like a good situation for him to drop back into and shake off the rust and really become a starter again. I, I don't really want to see him end up in Washington or something. You know, I just like <laughs> yeah. the, the Jaguars under our old friend Doug Marone, like, no. Don't don't do that. Wait, yeah. even if you have to wait an extra year. So um, anyway, Donald, awesome stuff as always. Your perspective is amazing to get from uh, the wide receiver position and for the rest of the football. So I uh, appreciate you having you on, and we will be sure to talk to you again soon. Hey man, I'm looking forward to it. Thank you for having me on today. Look forward to speaking to all of the Minnesota fans uh, the next time that I'm on, and you guys stay warm out there. <laughs> And you'll be coming um, to visit for a live appearance outside this winter, right? Ooh, I was just talking to my wife about trying to get down to, to the south. It's <laughs> warm weather here. He's talking about coming to Minnesota. That is just backwards. <laughs> um, <laughs> next summer, then. We'll see you out here next summer. Yeah, yeah, we can do that. Summertime Summertime is nice in Minnesota. Very nice. That's but, right. Yeah, it's, it's nice. But you, you get anywhere past July and it's <laughs> July. Okay, <laughs> August and September are usually fine, too. Uh, oh, all right, all right, all right. All right. <laughs> all right. Thanks, Donald. And uh, thank you all for listening to the Purple Podcast.